Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my counterpart, Joe DeLeon. Good evening. Good, sir. How are you? You know, I don't really care. You know why? Because I could start off this show in so many. Oh, my God. Jane Daniels. We're not going to go there yet, but don't act like I have. I am not going to come back to Jane Daniels leading the Heisman ticket. Yeah, we just spent 10 minutes arguing about a pre-show, not talking about any of the stuff leading up to the show, but get to the Washington. I lied. I lied. We're definitely talking about it. And then the ultimate thing of the week. I said, dear Mr. DeLeon, I wish we had the Sarah McLaughlin music. Boom, 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 boom. Joe, UNC can't beat Bama. Well, you know who they else can't beat? Virginia. The upset of the weekend resides in Virginia. You're you're hills, man. I, first of all, I don't care. Um, UNC, I seemingly keep picking these sleeper teams and they start to impress everybody. And then right when everyone starts talking about them, they shit their pants. And they're completely out of the conversation. Yeah, they underwhelmed. They laid a fat egg. I still don't think Bama's very good. I still stand by that. I was impressed by what they did against Tennessee, and we're going to talk about that today. But I still don't think they are deserving to be propped up the way that they're probably going to get propped up until they play LSU. They are a defense. They're not a team. Keep winning. I, I'm that's old the only thing for, I can't discredit but, but them see, for. here's the thing. I'm old enough to remember that this is exactly how Nick Saban won national titles. I'm also old enough to remember in 21 when everybody said Stetson Bennett was cheeks, and that's how Georgia won their first national title. Joe, if you run the football consistently and can play good defense, you're going to win a lot of football games. There, it, it is a strategy as old as time, and you know what? I This isn't – at you, but I'm being serious when I say this. Uh-huh. We have been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pampered offensively as a fan base because everybody goes out there and scores. But people forget, hey, man, if you play really good defense and you can run the football, you're going to win a lot. But you know what's even crazier about that, Joe? They, The biggest thing to me is they blanked Tennessee in the second half. Blanked them. Just yeah. pushed uh- them around. Tennessee came out guns a-blazing, and they blanked them, man. I thought it was an impressive win. I'm sure we're going to actually dive deep on that and unpack that, but it's impressive, but I still think that there there are underlying issues that I think are going to surface when they have to play a a real good team, not a fake good team. Well, the – the, the problem is, though, is that when they play LSU, their offense is probably going to look fine. Their offense is probably going to look like a normal Hey, we're out, of the, we're out of the hundreds when it comes to total defense, okay? Well, because the Army was what you needed to get out of the hundreds? Well, in fairness, 
even with Missouri, who's seven and one, I might add. Mm-hmm. Or are they six and one? Six and one, seven and one. I, I forget what Missouri is because they I, no, no, they're seven and one. Last ten quarters, LSU's only allowing three points per quarter. They had when since, since Harold Perkins has found his role, they have been different defensively. They got to do that against Alabama. But let me since we're just, there. Look at this. Oh yeah, that shirt's sick. That's look a great shirt. Home field, Home field apparel in the building. I should have put mine on. Use the promo code Rafino Joe, dude. I love this shirt. Death Valley, chance of it's rain. It's a good Have, fit. It's I a mean, good fit. I'm trying to get everybody to see the shirt. Maybe I could just do this. See, look. Yeah, at this. that would have been the smarter way to do it. See, look at this. They fit really well, by the way. That's that's the thing that I like about Fantastic them. Fantastic shirt, man. Yeah, good quality. Fantastic shirt. Not overhyped. Oh, I, I see. I see why before we added them as a sponsor. Um, why everyone has talked so positively about them. Very good shirts. I wore for my child's uh, birthday party today. Did you give away any promo codes? (laughs) Uh, Actually, you can ask everybody that's here. I did give away promo codes. They're like, hey, I love that shirt. And I said, it's interesting because you can go buy it at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code Rafino Joe. I'm not giving them anything. Walking advertisement. (laughs) Uh, Walking advertisement. Let me say this. Did have some family members that wanted a shout-out. I'll give a shout-out to my little nephew here and Oliver. So shout-out to Oliver. He wanted a, a shout-out on the show. Um, okay. It was a, it was a no, no free No free shout-outs, no free advertisements. I, I mean, the kid asked for it. He's seven. I'm, I'm joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you act like a seven-year-old, so it's like, you yeah. know, basically. It's fitting. It's very fitting. All right. Yeah. We do got a lot to discuss. Ohio State, Penn State, Joe, I thought Ohio State looked good. We'll talk about that first coming out of the break. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, Bama, Tennessee, uh, USC, Utah, man. Whew. We got to have a serious convo a about very Lincoln. serious conversation about Lincoln Riley. Yeah. A very Stinkin'. serious conversation. Stinking Riley. We got to have a serious conversation about Caleb Williams, even as a prospect. Yeah. I mean, you can't name a quarterback that's been really good in the NFL that's lost that many high-profile games. Patrick Mahomes. That's the problem is he's he's physically okay. compared to Patrick Mahomes and also Patrick Mahomes I don't think yeah, has Patrick ever – Yeah, Patrick Mahomes never had that talent. Not named Patrick Mahomes. Can you That's name another? Well, I guess you could throw Anthony Richardson in there, but Anthony Richardson did have some decent – Anthony Richardson had, literally has two guys that are starting in the NFL in his offensive line. R- right. It's Okay. You bring you up good points. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to throw right. that out there. All right, we'll talk about USC and Utah – We'll recap the week eight, Duke and Florida State. Joe, I got to admit, our takes worked well on that one. Said it would be close mm-hmm. early, and then Florida State would pull away. They did. Pretty much our takes came to pass on Duke and Florida State. And then, yes, you best believe I'm touching on North Carolina and Virginia. <sighs> okay. You should have never texted for, me. You um, should have never texted me. All right. Uh, it's just, it's, we have to. We can't glaze past it can't do that all right everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share if you're on facebook continue to do us a favor hit the like button hit the share share to all those social media pages wherever you're watching us or listening to us on youtube like subscribe notification bell wherever you listen to podcasts rate review and subscribe and if you're watching us on fubo tv welcome 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 let's talk about our good friends over at bet online let's talk ohio state penn state next 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back! How do you let Houston almost beat you? And that spot on third down... Yeah. To, okay. To be fair, the Quinn Ewers injury is difficult. I don't know what the situation is, but dude, that kind of sucks, man. Their their season might get derailed if that thing's serious. And even if it's not serious, we saw how we played last year when he was banged up the whole season. That's that's tough, man. They were starting to get a little bit of a rhythm, but every year, boohoo, Oklahoma. <laughs> You're one Gus Malzahn play away from you potentially being tied up going into overtime versus UCF. Yeah, look, I, I tweeted. I think out of the the letdown games across the board, I think that God, Oklahoma so is many. so many. It's just one of those weeks. I think that Oklahoma was the least disappointing. I, I tweeted this out. I took. I deleted it because I didn't want anyone to get all pissy at me for saying it, especially if UCF ended up coming back. But I think that good teams, when they're having an off day, find ways to win. And it felt like that with Oklahoma. They made a couple of mistakes. They had a couple bad plays. They found a way to lock that thing down, win that football game. So I don't feel too bad about Oklahoma. I'm a little worried. I'm definitely a little worried. They showed some signs of weakness. But I think that they still belong in that, that, that top team conversation. I'm not, I'm not worried about them, to be real with you. I think it's a good, the best thing that could have happened to them. Okay, I, I do agree. Adversity. I was gonna, yeah, adversity. I think adversity makes teams better. I mean, look, we saw Missouri and Georgia last year. Now, here's another thing: when you see teams go up against a good opponent like that, mm -hmm. normally that shows that they have a lot of good talent. I do think USC, UCF's got some good talent. We saw Missouri do that to Georgia last year, and look at where Missouri's at right now. They had Georgia on the brink and just couldn't close. But Eli Drinkwitz, Joe. I'm going to bring it up every week until they lose again. I, I picked them as the second, my, my team second in the East, and they continue to prove me right now. They got a tough stretch. They come out of a bye week. They go into Georgia on November the 4th. November the 4th, by the way, is Oh, my stacked. God. It is insane stacked. weekend. It's insane weekend. Missouri, Georgia is going to lead us off, okay? That's going to be a good one, so we'll see how that progresses. But you know what was a really good one? Really good and tough battle defensively yesterday. Ohio State, Penn State, I thought lived up to the billing. Penn State just could never, Joe, find a way offensively to get things going. Got to give a lot of credit to Kyle McCord. Thought that Manny Diaz would get after him a lot more. He did, and it didn't really affect him too terribly much. I will say this, man. That fumble... That fumble recovery for six that Penn State should have had, that holding call was horseshit. That was not a legit 
And my, I mean, that's ticky tack. And the way that yeah. the flag came out after the fumble, that and they them showing the side by side of it, that is that is bad. Wouldn't matter though because Drew Eiler went eighteen of forty two. Why I put any trust in James Franklin remains to be seen. Joe, their game plan was yourself. going there and throw it all over the place with Drew Eiler. Nick Singleton. With no receivers. With, with no, no receivers, receivers, that was the strategy. Nick Singleton. Well, I don't. Well, Drew missed a lot. They got a. Did you know, by the way, you want to hear some uh -huh. crazy stat pro football focus, our, our buddies? Did you know that Penn State was fifth in yards or separation yardage on incompletion routes Saturday? Are they really? Yeah. Okay. It Drew didn't look Eiler, like that on film. But really Drew Eiler missed a lot. Well, I mean, look, I'm. Pro football focus is what it is. But I thought the game plan was horrendous. They went one of 16 on third down. What did you see out of Ohio State, Penn State? Well, first of all, I actually don't – I don't know. I think that those numbers look really bad for Drew Allard, but I don't think he played that bad, man. I think that he just had such a really difficult matchup to deal with. Penn State is going to be another two-loss team this year. I just – I do not think that – and I said this at the beginning of the season. I said this every single week since. They do not have the receivers to go punch for punch against Michigan and Ohio State. They will beat all of the other top teams in the conference and all the middling teams in the conference, but they're just not there to be in that Michigan-Penn State debate. Or sorry, Michigan Ohio State debate for Ohio State. I tweeted this but out. They're, and I they're going away from divisions. They might not have to play them every year. So it, it eventually, could, it, yeah. So, but they would have to play USC, UCLA, Oregon. It, it, tougher teams are on the horizon for them, though. Right. I, I tweeted this out though, because look, Penn State's kind of out of the conversation nationally. I just, I, I'm kind of turning the page there. I think that Ohio State is the best boring most boring team in college football which is not a bad thing i think that that's a really good thing that your team wins in the most unexciting fashion on a, a big game basis they did it against notre dame afterwards we watched that game and it's like that game was kind of boring it was kind of boring they played they play such hard aggressive defense they come downhill there are no rushing lanes open they are such a good defensive unit and they just don't do anything that's that exciting offensively you get one two big plays through the air and you win the football game. That's what it you need. Goes Consistency. Back to my, it kind of goes back to my point of us being pampered. Okay. From yeah. offensive teams. You, look, he, I got to give Ryan day a little credit here. What teams are winning? Like Joe, what teams are winning? Let me tell you the teams that historically we call them the chalky five. Okay. Mm -hmm. Alabama, regardless if you like it or not, is to me still in that chalky five of premier programs. What do all of them do? Georgia, Michigan, TCU to some extent a little bit last year, but they got away from it, and you saw what happened against Georgia. What do good teams do right now offensively? They run the football, and they play good defense. Yeah. That is what happens. What are The teams that are high-flying offensively, what, what has happened? They have not been able to get over that hump. The only real teams, 2020 Alabama, 2019 LSU, Clemson's in, in there. But right now, teams are getting back to running the ball, playing good defense. I'm going to disagree with you. I thought Drew Aller had a horrible game. He had multiple times where he had receivers that were open, and he missed them. A couple of times of those quick slants, he's throwing behind the receiver. 
One of them got tipped. They came after him all night long, and they said, look, we're going to make you beat us. But, Joe, I don't agree with the rushing lane thing. Nick Singleton had nine carries for 42 yards. Or well, 48 yards, excuse me. They had When Nick Singleton got the football, okay, uh, he's running the ball for more than five yards per carry. I thought this is what I honestly thought was going to happen. I kind of expected, like we talked about last week, it would be close early, but I thought that over time Penn State would be able to run the football. Well, Joe, my goodness to gracious, you remember the second drive before going in the half. They go for it on fourth down. They run the ball three straight times. Okay, the score is tied three to three. They run the ball with Singleton three straight times. He gets 20 yards and 20 yards in that drive, I might add. Then they throw the ball three straight times and have to punt. They were they tried to get Oller involved, but the biggest thing is you got to give Ohio State and Jim Knowles defense a lot of credit. One of 16 on third down, one of three on fourth down. They got Penn State off the field, and eventually Penn State defense, who I think, Joe, you got to give a lot of credit to. They are a really good defense. I still think they are a top five defense in the country. They yeah. played their hearts out. Eventually, they broke. The time of possession goes to Ohio State, but when both teams had 16 possessions on third down, Ohio State converted five more than Penn State did. And that ultimately, when you need crucial third down conversions, won them the game. I also thought Kyle McCord played pretty well. 22 of 35, 286 in the score. He is what he is at this point. And when he got in trouble, he found Marvin Harrison that went for 11 catches, I think 160 in the score as well. When it when crunch time happened, they threw it to Marvin Harrison, and it bode well for him. The biggest play of the game to me, the two biggest plays, the fumble that got called back, okay, mm -hmm. which I still don't agree with, and then the Marvin Harrison crossing route when Ohio State is on their own goal line, and, and McCord steps up in the pocket, fires it, he gets 27 yards. I think they went down the, the entire length of the field and got three on that possession, if I'm not mistaken. Big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games, and that's what Marvin Harrison did too. But I walk away with this. Ohio State defensively, my goodness, they are nothing to be uh, uh, played around with. Their front seven's really good. They, I thought the DBs played well. And so for that alone, Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. Anybody saying that they're fugazi because they beat Notre Dame, they're mm -hmm. wrong. They're still undefeated. They're a good football team football team and we have a matchup Michigan and Ohio State it, it's squaring off to be for the Big Ten again the the point you bring up with Singleton I think is a really good one it, it's typical Penn State overly cute overly trying too hard to rotate your backs Katron Allen's a fine football player but Nick Singleton should be getting way more carries than he is uh, he would be one of the leading rushers in college football the guy provides such a spark for that offense for him to not be a more prominent player in things for him you said he got nine carries that's yeah nine carries lame. 48 yards he should be getting every single touch every single time they rush the football the guy is a spark plug every time he gets the ball but I I, I really think that we have to give credit though for this this front for Ohio State that defense is going to finish the year as a top five defense I stand by my point that I think that they fill rushing lanes really well. That defensive line, Michael Hall Jr., Tyleek Williams, JT Tuomoilau, and then you've also got uh, Eichenberg, uh, one of their linebackers. 
They are downhill. They don't allow a lot of open lanes. The only guy who found success was Singleton because he's got tremendous burst. And for whatever reason, they were but just out of position on some of those plays. Against Michigan that do have good burst. Pause. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I think that they – no defense is perfect. No defense is going I to agree. be perfect on every single down. So See, there's going to be like sometimes – Daniels has to be – continue. Everything's always about Jaden Daniels. They're I'm, going – to make you a fan. They're going to – if anything, you forcing me to is making me <laughs> like him less and less. Because I probably would have come around to him – it's the the, oh, the deal of if I came to the conclusion on my own, I think that I would have been fine with it. But because you keep pushing them on me, it's not working. My final point here, that defensive front could help them beat Michigan because if Michigan can't run the football, and that was their problem last year, if they can't run the football, J.J. McCarthy, he's a fine quarterback, but it's kind of like Drew Allar. He's not a guy who he himself is going to take over a football game. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think Michigan's just a better overall team. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. I mm-hmm. don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I, I do think if you're a Penn State fan, you got to start asking yourself the simple question. What do you have to do to get over the hump? Like, what do you have to do to get over the hump? I, I can tell you pretty easily what I think, but I'm I, I'm just a talking head on a podcast. You're gonna have to start running the football more. You're you have an offensive line that had success against Ohio State. So what? You're getting three yards in a cloud of dust. If you're moving the foot, you know who's not getting any yards? Aller. Hey, yeah. Joe, Joe, their legit game plan was for him to throw the ball 42 times against this team, and they continue to bang their heads up against the wall. I mean, look how chaotic he was. In the first, I, I, what was it? He was, what, Joe, two for seven in the first yeah. quarter? I mean, he was yeah. all over the place. He had some wide open dudes. I, I say wide open, but relatively for a defense that you're – you got to make big-time throws, yeah. and he didn't. And if you can't make big-time throws against this, what did we see J.J. McCarthy do a year ago? Just please let's not have this argument. What did we see Stetson yeah. Bennett do in uh. the – you know? Joe, please don't. Did he? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. He threw for 350 yards. Yeah, he made much big plays. He went 17 for 17 in the second yeah. half and threw for 250. I yeah. don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but you got to make big time plays and big time games. You got to make big time throws. Yes. The reason you get on, and we'll talk about this later in the week, why are people talking about Michael Penix, Caleb Williams? Because they're not making the big throws in crunch time. Okay. Yesterday, Michael Penix had a wide open pulk and missed him. Almost got picked last night. I'm up at 2 a.m. watching this stupid game. I have no business watching this game. But you got to make the same. If you're going to grade quarterbacks the same, Kyle McCord missed a lot of throws, a lot. But in the same token, he made more throws than he missed. He made more good throws than he missed. They came in with the the brown kid too, and it, I don't know what's up with him, but that injury did not look good. By the way, I I don't really like that philosophy that they have, where you've got a guy on the field, he's moving the ball down the field, and then you bring in somebody who hasn't taken any reps to then it's the urban uh, philosophy. 
It's I Urban. Just, Urban I is like it. Ryan Day is a Urban Meyer disciple. Okay, I think it's, it's so boom. stupid. You're bringing what? in a guy who's got no momentum in the game. He's got no stock in the game in terms of having taken reps and and feeling the flow of the game. He's fully fresh. And you had a, a different quarterback who had a defense yeah, on their heels. If he's not hurt now. I don't know what else. X-rays negative. It could be a high ankle sprain. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Joe, you know what they're going to do against Michigan if the kid can play. They're going to run a a zone read in the end zone, and they're going to score off of him because he's going to throw it, and it's going to come back to bite him. They are setting teams up. I'm telling you, man. They are going to. He's going to pull it, and he's going to throw in the flat. By the way, it's not be. It's uh, we don't mention him ever. Okay, yeah. but I'm going to. Cage Stover. My, if you oh, were, a, I like him. I Cage like him. He Stover a is player. a dude. Yeah. That catch that he made over the middle with the one hand coming down. That dude is a player. He is he is really good. He is a he is in the realm. I do believe he's not Brock Bowers, but he is he is in that same elite type of tight end prospect. I do like uh, Kate Stover a lot. I, I think that there's a there's a huge gap between Brock Bowers and then the second tier of tight I'm ends. Not but to the, right, not, right. I know, I know, I know that you weren't saying that, but to that point, I think Kate Stover's starting to grow on me. He's not a, a freaky, twitchy, crazy athlete. He's not a 4 4, or there's not many 4 4 guys, but he's not like a 4 5, 4 6 tight end. He blocks. Big really guy. Well, though. He, he blocks. He does so everything good. you need him to. He's you know like Michael he Mayer in a way. No, I don't think he's Mayer. You know the, the style of play that I think? He's Gronk, dude. Like, if you're going to put a, a style of play, mm. not that he is Gronk. Okay. Okay. I don't disagree with that then. He's a the college version. Of, the style of play that he is. What is he? He's going to block really well. He's going to catch it over the middle really well. He's got massive radius. Joe, they threw it to the ball to him in the flat three times, and he, dudes are just bouncing off of Pauls. Yeah. But dudes are bouncing off of him left and right. He's an impre- He is an impressive as human being. Farmer, his nickname you is Farmer. That on the, you didn't hear that on the broadcast? No, you know why? <laughs> because I had uh, – you know what I kept saying all day to, uh, today and yesterday? Mercedes Marv in the building. Maserati. Maserati Maserati Marv, Marv, whatever it is. I love freaking Gus Johnson, by the way. Dude, he he said it in the ground. Oh, my God. I literally (laughs) want him to read me books at night. Oh! I go to sleep after that. Mercedes Marv. Probably would never sleep, but he's so good at his job. I love him. Because in the SEC, and which the Big Ten is about to find out, we have stupid Gary Danielson. Oh, you don't like him? Marf. Is, I, like, Danielson I, I is the rather, main uh, SEC guy. No, who's the main uh, SEC CB, guy? CBS. Over the years CBS has. Now it's about to be Herb Street. Yeah. Wait, is it? Yeah, ESPN's buying the entire SEC. We were SEC. SEC won't oh, be oh, oh! I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be Herb Street. So. We are upgrading, <laughs> I mean, massively. All right. Yeah. Speaking of the SEC, uh, Alabama and Tennessee kicked it off last night in the third weekend in October. The cigars in Tuscaloosa were smoking after they were able to come back just in an – look, I hate to say this, but in an impressive fashion. But good teams find ways to win. You just mentioned it. At some point, people are going to have to acknowledge Bama because they are seven and one. Joe, they are they are seven. 
and one football team. They don't they don't look great offensively, but again, they look really bad offensively. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say over the last three weeks they're bad. I would say that they're average. Okay. Here's why I say that they're really bad. They do some really nice things. They they get some really big rushing plays. They can connect over the top on those deep passes really well. They they've really figured out their identity. But dude, when they mess up, they mess up bad. Like that pick that Jalen Milrow threw in the end zone on a covered receiver that was tipped and caught by a defensive That's back. On how many times is that going to happen? He, how many times he makes bad decisions like that all the time? Is it a he threw, but? It, it, he, I, he throws the cover guys way too much. Yeah, but that's not a bad decision. He still got one on one with a receiver. I mean, the 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 safety's not there to make the play. This the reason the safety comes over is because yeah, the ball's down to the air. That's not a bad read. It's cover one. It's not a. It's not a good decision. I just. But it's I, not a bad decision. Point, my point is that when they make mistakes, it's a back breaking sack that is a fumble or a huge interception off of a really questionable read. Maybe that yep. wasn't the best example, but they just make such bad mistakes that could take them out of football games. And having against Texas, we're just waiting for somebody else to do it. So look, Jalen Milrow had three rushing yards on the on the day, but you your stats, his running the ball, okay, is going to be, or his yards of running the football is going to be depleted because of those sacks. They had some really good quarterback runs for him in the second half. So let's talk about this. Tennessee mm -hmm. came out blasting. Pow, pow, pow. Squirrel White with an amazing catch on that first possession. Joe Milton, for what it's worth in the first half, was throwing really good. I, I thought he looked good throwing the football in the first half. Squirrel White getting involved. Um, he was getting involved in the running game. Remember along the sideline, you tweeted this clip out. He's running the DB flat over to get the first down. Yeah. They go up 20 to 7. And you know what the funniest thing about all of this is? Joe, I go to Twitter during halftime. And oh, no. every single tweet that I see, nobody's scared of Bama. Tennessee is clapping them cheeks. I was oh. a part of that. Oh, boom, 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 boom. And then the third quarter kicked off, and Alabama blanked them. And you know what, Joe? For an offense that isn't any good, they scored 27 unanswered points against what we talked about during the week. Tennessee was a top 10 defense coming into this. Yeah, and they looked like that in the first half. And they looked like that in the first half. But that O-line grew up a little bit in the second half. They played really good. Jason McClellan started running the football at a great rate. You had Jermaine Burton getting involved in the passing game, but that defense is really, really freaking good. And I do think that Tennessee did some things that they were not doing in the first half. I felt like they clamped up a little bit offensively, but I will give Tennessee this. Joe, Alabama is one of the most penalized teams in the country. They had one penalty for five yards. There were so many missed things, so many missed calls, that went in Alabama's favor. Like the fair catch, the fair oh, catch yeah. thing, the ball is getting placed at the four. Joe, how – how terrible. Is so you're a special teams guy. So you're yes. going to – I want you to explain this to me. Yeah. You mean to tell me that if a guy all the way across the field, okay, calls the fair catch or does whatever, and then the other guy fields it and takes off, 
I, I can get the logic because the, half the field might stop running, okay? But you're told on special teams to run until the whistle blows anyway. Yeah, it's that's the issue inherently is that if there's no whistle on the field and a guy returns it and they play the full rep, you're supposed to just let the thing play out. That is nitpicky bullshit. It's kind of like the Iowa situation with Cooper DeGene where – yeah, everyone played everyone covered that kick. No one thought that there was a fair catch, but for whatever stupid reason, they went back and, and they, they reverted the decision on the play. But yes, there was a little bit of assistance and I, I I'm not the biggest fan of doing the whole officiating discussion and, and whatnot. But yeah, that was kind of the start of the end for Tennessee after that play. Bama defensively. Bama defensively, man, you got to give it to them. Well, so one of the things that you brought up, and I had said this during the game, that if Joe Milton continued to have the passing success that he was having in the first half, Alabama was done. Alabama was cooked. Because Joe Milton hasn't passed well at all this whole season. He has been a mess. And he was out there looking like Hendon Hooker moving the ball, orchestrating that offense at a level that we have not seen Joe Milton play before. He was making that Alabama defense look silly the way that he was throwing the football. And I got to give Kevin Steele, that whole defensive staff, a ton of credit because that was a hell of a halftime adjustment. They basically, what they did is they prioritized coverage. They didn't allow for any yak stuff. They didn't allow for any guys to get open. And they just realized, we're just going to rush four. There's an injury along the offensive line. We're going to rush four. Eventually, someone's going to get home. Joe Milton does not have a good internal clock. And that's what led to some of those turnovers you know what, or that one you know turnover. They, you know what else they did? They always blitz from the wide side of the field. Yeah. So I, I wrote so because LSU is playing Bama in two weeks. I mm-hmm. look, dude, you want to see the notes that I took? Like it was it was insane. Like, like look at this. Okay, like I wrote all of this down. Kev, but see, here's the thing from LSU's standpoint and Kevin Steele. He was our DC at one point in time. We know. Thank, like, we know. But this is what Kevin still does, and Joe, why I think that this is so sustainable and why they can be the way that they are offensively. I've seen Kevin Steele do it. I, I've seen it with my eyes as a fan. They play really good defense. It's why he's brought in. We talked about this in the offseason, and what did I say? If, if Nick lets Kevin Steele do what he does, offensively to some extent with the dudes they have defensively, it's not going to matter. Okay, it is not going to matter. Elks, thank you for that. I appreciate that because a kid just committed to LSU. I had tweeted out. That's why my head was down. But regardless, regardless, Joe, this is sustainable. I think the biggest game, okay, the biggest game on November the 4th is LSU and Alabama. I am biased. That team wins the West. I know what I got in Georgia, okay? The question becomes is that we've seen that team – go up against a good offense, uh, actually good offense. What do they look like in a couple of weeks? Has LSU defensively come around? Okay. Their front seven, Joe, they're allowing 1.9 yards per carry LSU is. Since the second half at, at Missouri until now, 1.9 yards per carry. That's insane. insane. So yeah. we'll see. Another thing about this game. Thank you again, Elks. Joe, I do think that they are spreading the ball. I do think Tommy Reese is calling good games. Uh, we we need to have so can we yeah. 
can we have a conversation? I went back and watched that game this morning, okay, before everybody got here for the party. Dude, he's calling some good games, man. That second half, they looked really good. The, the zone read, it's a triple option. The tight end out in the flat, getting the tight ends involved. As soon as Tommy Reese does, in Alabama, does get a halfway decent tight end in there, they're going to have issues. I, I just think that, man, as much as we've crapped on him, I got to give him the last three weeks that they he's called some good football games. I got to give it to him. One of the things that I really observed, what makes Alabama, if their offense is flowing as well as it can, what makes them so difficult to go up against is that they're one of the most deflating offenses to face. And what I mean by that is that they rip off a big run. And if you talk to anybody who played defense in college or in the NFL, they'll say, it's really deflating when you give up a big run. And then once they're grinding you out and they're picking up those, those chunk rushing plays, they hit you over the top for a big passing play, which is and that's even what more they're doing deflating. With Bond and Burton, that was their first score. Remember the long pass yeah. to Bond. And I'm like, every Joe, can I tell me if you feel this way when you watch Bama? When Joe Milton lets that thing go, you know what I say every time? Like, lets it go deep. I'm like, oh shit. I get the all shit because I feel like they're gonna come down with it. Yeah. I think that that approach does generate success. Against. It also can generate a lot of failure. Yes. So what I'm getting at here, I think that Alabama, there is a path. I will push past my bias for a quick second. There is a path <laughs> for them to finish with one loss, finish with a really good season, two losses before they, they play in the SEC championship game. But the reality of it is that, again, when we see them fail, it is just too backbreaking for them to recover from some of those mistakes that they make. It's not like it's not like another offense like Ohio State's one that comes to mind where they make a mistake, they have a bad play, it's a sack or a stop on third and short behind the line of scrimmage and then they punt the football. It's they're moving the ball, they're moving the ball and it's a really crushing turnover. And anyone who wants to disagree with me on that, go pull up the Texas game. We even saw turnovers happen in the Tennessee game and games before this against Texas A&M and against Old Miss. The mistakes that happen in that offense, specifically by Jalen Milrow, are just too crushing, I think, to recover from. And when you make mistakes like that, you make boneheaded turnovers like that, you're going to set your team up for failure. It happened against Texas, and I'm worried that against Auburn or against LSU, that's going to cost them. And you know what? I'm going to throw this out there. Hot take. I think Auburn can freaking beat them. I think the way that Auburn has played, they have been under-recognized for the fight that they have showed despite some clear roster limitations. They can beat Alabama. There is a possibility of it. They ain't losing to Auburn. Crazy shit happens in the Iron Bowl. We've seen it, it happen enough crazy times. Crazy shit does happen in the Iron Bowl. I will agree. They're not losing to Auburn. If 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 they beat LSU, if they beat LSU, they're not losing again. LSU, I, I just got to be until they play Georgia. Didn't you guys say the same thing when you lost to Texas A&M last year? I'm not trying to say that as a dig, but like unexpected losses happen against rivals. No, I said that they were going to lose to LSU. I got critic. I got killed over it. I put LSU in my top ten. Nah, 
Not you specifically. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, I, I said think they were losing f- another game, but I don't. But see, here's the difference about last year, and I don't think people get this yet. Joe, who are the top four teams, five teams in the country? Right now, you're saying who right are the top now, five teams? Not what they've done in the past. If you had to pick right now, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State. And what do they all do really well? Play defense and, and run the football. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, Joe? You got to make an argument that wait, I, and, and please wait. Just hear, me, hear me out. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not putting Bama there, but I do think that there's something to be said. I do think that there's something to be said for that there has been a change in football in reference to the teams and how they're winning. Now, unless you have, in my opinion, transcendent dudes on the outside and a good, a really good quarterback, okay, you can get away with it. LSU can get away with it, okay? Who's another good offensive team? Name them. Um, Washington. Washington. Oregon. Washington, Oregon can get away with it. There's, but you do have to admit, Joe, that they play a style of football when you can clamp. Joe, they clamped Tennessee down in the second half. They clamped down A and M in the second half. This team in the second half, after Nick makes adjustments, what's happened? Let me tell you what's happened. They're not giving up points. So Nick goes in there at halftime. They change something up. I, I mean, I still just don't think that they've truly been challenged. And this is where you and I disagree. I just don't think Tennessee, Old Miss, or Texas A&M are, are very good teams. But you I, know I what really... Texas A&M and Tennessee have that Washington hasn't played, that Michigan hasn't played? The only team that really has is Ohio State. Joe, those are two elite front sevens. Again, you're talking about Texas – Okay, Texas is another team that has a really good front. They are more battle-tested than Georgia, Michigan. I would even say to some extent Florida State at this point. I, but, like, what does battle-tested do for me but, if, if – there? Penn State I understand, happens. I understand that, that happens. I you get that that's important. You, Joe, do you really know what you have in Michigan? Do you? You're, you're do right. You, they haven't been. They haven't been tested. But I think that there is enough of an eye test to see the way that they're just completely dicking down teams that they're a really good football team. I like that you called it dicking down, and, and they are because it, it is what they. It's what they're doing. They are they fucking are. it. Paul, all right. Let's move okay. On. <laughs> a little too graphic. We'll, I, we'll debate that 27 tomorrow. Twenty-seven unanswered points. They're the good, second they're, half, they're a completely different team. Right, They're you, one of the best defenses in the country. That's my final point. Go ahead. Okay. USC and Utah faced off in what I thought would be a revenge type of game for USC. Joe, I don't like teams that lose on the road, get embarrassed on the road. USC got embarrassed on the road against Notre Dame. I thought that they'd be able to correct their wrongs. Utah's a lot of the same kind of style of team that Notre Dame is, mm. and they completely screwed the pooch. Caleb Williams is not good right now. He's not a good quarterback. And 
as crazy as that sounds, they say he's a transcendent general. Joe, they're calling him a generational talent. I, I can't go there anymore. I never was there. And last year, you and I had debates on Saturdays, and I, I freaked out because I, my quarterback, my transcendent generational quarterback doesn't paint his nails. He, he just There's certain things that I have to look at, but here's the truth. Watching that game, you know, we're, we were covering, covering LSU clearly, but I continue to watch that game. We did the whole postgame of us watching the second half. Utah dicked them down. You want to talk about a dick down. Utah dicked down USC. And a team that is legitimately, Joe, 115th. Going into that game, Utah was 115th in the country in total offense. And USC is so bad defensively, they let Bryson Barnes go out there and run for 20 yards, get the field goal, and win it. I, 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 I'm done with Lincoln. I, I think he is the most overrated coach in what people call the top 10. Joe, he, he doesn't win big games. Did you see that stat of Caleb Williams against top yes. 10 opponents? 57% oh completion. He's got six touchdowns, six interceptions. He's not clutch. It's bad. He's not clutch. And, and everybody's like, oh, well, his O-line's bad. What, has, what, what does his O-line have to being bad? Which I will admit they're not good. Joe, he's missing wide-ass open receivers. What does that have well, to do with it? Well, and he's, he's, he's making mistakes and making just mental gaffes, just like straight-up simple mental errors. The, the play that he had where the ball just – flies out of his hand while he's trying to throw it at the end of the game in a goal to go situation like th that is just a, a, a I don't even know how to describe that just a, a lack of ability to step up to the occasion when you need when your team needs you but my big thing here and look I think the criticism to Caleb Williams it's going to come because he's a, a very controversial player he is somebody who talks a lot of shit and the minute that he plays bad he deserves the criticism when you talk the amount of shit that you do as a, as a player. But I'm in it with you on Lincoln Riley. We have to have this conversation. I'm done doing the, we should consider it, blah, blah, blah. Lincoln Riley is not in the discussion of one of the top 15 coaches in college football. He does not belong in the conversation. And hell, I'd even go as far as to say people have painted him to be one of the most bright, progressive, my fucking HomePod just activated. I'm sorry. I was wondering. Um, I thought. I, I thought uh, uh, what's his name no, from uh, Iron Man? I, I have. I have like one of those. Besides the point, <laughs> we can't hear. We just hear the moment. But I thought uh, uh, Jarvis had entered the building. No, no, not Jarvis. Damn, I had a really good point too. I'm gonna plug. The, I'm plugging that stupid thing in a second. Lincoln Riley has been painted to be this this transcendent offensive mind as a coach in football. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything this season with one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in the sport. Anything that I can point to that has shown me that this offense is creative and unstoppable. They have been, if anything, extremely underwhelming. Lincoln Riley does not step up in important games. His entire time at Oklahoma, he played a very weak schedule, went to the college football playoff, and get got his ass beat every single time. And you know what's happened since he got to USC? He's beaten up on the back end of the conference to the middle of the conference. And every single time he's been asked to face somebody that is a good, competent, top 15 opponent, 
he has gotten his ass beat. Stinking Riley is not a top 15 coach in the sport. He is extremely overrated. He should just move on to the NFL because clearly his priorities are not with the University of Southern California. I'm done talking about him. The guy is a terrible coach. Extremely overrated. I'm not going to say he's a terrible coach. A little aggressive, that last part, but yes. Yeah, it was a little aggressive. But I, I will say he's got to fire Alex Grinch now. Like, he's got to fire Grinch now. How do you allow – Joe, how do you, how do you allow for this co- to continue? Like, what does he have on him? Does Alex Grinch have something on Lincoln Riley? Because I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. But that does not change the fact, though, Joe, that Kayla is – let me ask you this question. Is or is not Kayla Williams a top-five pick in next year's draft? I think even after everything, he's still going to be the first overall pick. With that being said, Caleb's not – Caleb's just not playing well either. And and I got to tell you something. Now, I'm going to be cautious with this because we had like over – 200,000 impressions on this, and people were all over the place. Sam Acho in his name, or Emmanuel Acho came out. He was on, He's on ESPN or Fox, whatever he's on. I had no clue anymore what channel he comes on. He's on Fox. Okay, on Fox. He came out and said, you know, Caleb Williams should quit. He, he should opt out for the rest of the season. Let me just start here. That was cool during COVID, during the global pandemic. Okay. You going out there telling people to quit is what people think about Caleb Williams already. He's got to show some leadership. Joe, earlier this week, he was asked a question, meaning Caleb Williams. He was asked a question in reference to, you know, about all the heat that he's been getting over this last game. He goes, well, anybody, everybody in the country wants to be in these uh, size 12 shoes, meaning that he's better than everybody. Well, you know what, man? You're not leading your team to wins. Lincoln can dial up whatever he wants, Joe, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't. I think they're a better team without him. As crazy as that sounds, I think they're a better overall football team because of the backup that's that, there at USC. The, uh, Joe, I, I made some uh, phone calls this morning. I was uh-huh. like, tell me about the kid that backs up Caleb Williams. You know what they all say? Leader, on time, kids love him. Every time we talk to recruits, they say he's out there recruiting. Not just offensively, but defensively. He he wants to be here. He wants to succeed. I don't know that Caleb Williams gives a shit about anything else other than Caleb Williams. And I think eventually, and now it is showing on the field. Joe, he has looked chaotic and reckless over the last two weeks against Notre Dame and Utah. Reckless. He's not making the right reads. He's not making the right plays. And USC as a team is suffering for it. Now, I will say one else, one other thing. And, and, and to your point about Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. at some point he's gonna make he's gotta have the big win. He he's James Franklin if he does if he continues to. But, oh, but, but James Franklin actually has some of those wins. He's no, actually put together some of no, those wins. Just, James Franklin is zero and nine against top ten teams on the road. You have to be <sighs> able to go on the he Joe he's zero and ten. You yeah, I just able to I just go think on the, the road and he's got one big win against Ohio State at home. Yeah. Tell who has the better resume? Oh, well, Lincoln Riley got to a couple playoffs at Oklahoma when the Big 12 was down. He wouldn't get there now. He wouldn't no. be he wouldn't get there now. 
So, look, I know that you don't like USC because they're a rival to your favorite school, but I say this out of just pure unbiased, you got to make a move defensively. You got to get a guy that can come in there and recruit and develop. Until you do that, you're not going to win these big-time profile games. Bottom line. Yeah, I mean, the solution's there. I Actually, I'm not going to actually give him that easy of an out. I don't think the solution's that easy. I think that the decision to not fire Alex Grinch is an example of the institutional lack of direction necessary for success. It feels like I am watching a disorganized mess on a week-to-week basis. I am not watching a, co- a cohesive offensive or defensive team. It feels like I am watching Lincoln Riley and the Caleb Williams show. It feels like I'm watching two dudes that are in it for themselves. And that th- the other thing that hasn't been properly really said is that as much as Caleb Williams is about himself, I think Lincoln Riley is also a pretty big narcissist as well. And I think that if an NFL opportunity came his way, he would jump ship. I really do think that that's going to happen eventually. Lincoln I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the season if he doesn't end up leaving because he doesn't feel like putting the time or the work in necessary. He would fit perfectly in the NFL because he'd be, he could put together a roster full of guys that are you know concerned well, with the salaries. Wouldn't, he wouldn't completely have to worry about defense. Yeah. We've seen good coaches that don't want to worry about defense. Look, we've seen guys like Sean Payton. We've seen guys like your boy down in Miami right now. We've seen mm-hmm. what the Eagles are doing. You know what? Ha- uh, uh, what's the Eagles uh, front office? Their GM. What's his name again? Howie uh, Roseman. Howie Roseman. Roseman. Okay. You know what he do? He does. I'm giving you every defensive player because I know offensively you're going to be fine, and that's what you want to focus on. I'm going to give you the ball back. Good coaches find ways to. And Joe, he. You know what USC really needs. A relentless recruiter. A relentless recruiter. And until you can get that, Joe, nobody in that local L.A. area has no business going anywhere else besides USC. Can I say something that, I, that, yeah. that thought popped in my head that's perfectly chaotic? Ed Orsron. Yeah, you know who they should – that should be your next defensive coordinator or defensive Ed Orsron can't coach. call defenses. But dude, but my man is the be- – he has already shown that he is one of the best recruiters in the Los Angeles area. He like, will, without now, a doubt. Here's the thing about Ed. You know what I would do? I would make Ed, like, make him an on-field coach and tell him to go recruit. Pay him $2 million a year, tell him to give go him, recruit. Give him a bedroom in, in Lincoln's basement. Just let him do his thing. No, he's got a wife now. Give him a oh. they got enough money. Give him a mansion in LA. Tell him to go recruit because nobody in the local LA area is going to leave. One thing I will give Ed Orgeron, whether regardless of where LSU classes were ranked, Joe, look at what he assembled in 2019. He is look one of the greatest recruiters in the history of college football. He, he can recruit, man. Now, did things fall off at the end? Yeah. yeah but you know, yeah. but you know what's crazy? Ed Orgeron gift-wrapped Brian Kelly a top-five class when he came in here. The guy can recruit, okay? The craziest thing, too, if you even consider that further, he was in charge in leading recruiting. I'm pretty sure for that Reggie Bush liner. He has put together multiple top elite teams in college football. Ask Matt Leinart about Ed Orgeron and and recruiting. The story, I'll give a quick story. He went up to Matt Leinart. Mm-hmm. And said, 
I'm going to need you to sign right here. Okay? It was a letter of intent. And you just got him to sign? Like, you didn't read it? Not really. I mean, they recruited him more than that. But Ed did not give a shit. Look at that defense. Ask, Dude, Lindell White is on our team. He's a part of Believe. Ask mm-hmm. Lindell White about Ed Orsron recruiting. We had yeah. Warren Sapp on AYS. This was a while back. And I said, what was it like under Orsron? He goes, the man was on the phone 24-7. He goes, oh, you want to go to Miami? Okay, sounds good. But you know who are you want to go to Florida State? Sounds good. But you know we beat them. We beat them. We beat them by 17. They sucked. And he'd hang the phone up. He called right back and says, I'm sorry I hung up, but you need to come to Miami. Two weeks later, the kid would be committed to Miami. He did see USC, he, he pick up the phone, it. man. Pick up the goddamn phone. Call Ed Ogeron. <laughs> that, that's actually the, in all seriousness, that like I, I don't I haven't seen oh, that God. one floated out there yet. But like that Lincoln, He's if not, you want to stay all defenses, he it would be worse than Grinch. All right, then bring him into the D line. Right, I don't know who the D line coach is. Go ahead. Yeah, we we got to finish. Let's this. talk about good friends at Home Field Apparel. We recap with just some quick thoughts uh, after we wrap it up. Rafino and Joe Show is brought to you by Home Field Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt, premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan, maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan. Whatever it is, even Idaho, they have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. North Carolina played West uh played Virginia this weekend. Um Joe, you were high on the Tar Heels. They lost they, to Virginia. The they won. Native, Mike Collins, who, in all, in very quickly, in all seriousness, Mike Collins, yeah. one of the ones that was a part of, uh, one of the players that was shot, had three touchdowns. Our guy, Mike, uh, congratulations to him. What a big game for him. 66 yards, three touchdowns. On a, la- on a much lighter note, Joe, Virginia went 10 of 21 on conversion downs, four of 15 from North Carolina on third down, on third and fourth down. Man, man, man. Tried to tell you. Mm. They, okay, you didn't know that they were going to lose to Virginia. They they laid oh, an egg. I did they tell you they were, got they too were high. better than Bama. They're not, dude. They're if, not. If If they don't. I don't think that it is a foregone guaranteed conclusion that Bama knocks the crap out of UNC. And one has a loss to Virginia. One has a loss to Texas. I stand Virginia by my was take. One in five. I stand by my take for ranking UNC where I did at the time. Did they completely underwhelm and disappoint me? Yes, they did. So now I have nothing to talk about. You know, I can't I can't prop them up anymore. They're 
in the flock of ACC schools that are incredibly disappointing. They just fit into the mix of those those slappy programs like Miami and Louisville and and Duke that have all those silly losses. But I they just got run all over, man. Their run defense didn't show up. They didn't try to stop anything. Virginia came in with a game plan to hold on to the football and play keep away. Do not give the ball back to Drake May. 37 minutes of time of possession. That's how Virginia won the football game. Hey, you know what? Drake May might be the best quarterback in the country from as a prospect. Let's not give him the football. Great game plan by Virginia. They get the victory. Anything else stand out to you this week, Joe? I, I want to just quickly touch on the Washington debacle. The problems with their offense, yes, it's an issue. Look, huh? They're still a very wait, they're still a very good football team. They're not a perfect team. And screw the people that try to compare them to 29 on 19 LSU. You guys are morons because you set us up for this. My point here is that they're still a top six team. And a lot of times when you have an emotional dump like you do against Oregon, a rival team in your conference, it's it's hard to pick back up and show up against a really bad football team. And that's what happened. They, they were emotionally drained visibly. Very clearly were emotionally drained. I don't think that tells me they're bad. Yes, I'm moving Michael Penix way down on the Heisman conversation, and I'm gonna move them, I'm gonna move them back. Don't say anything. I'm gonna move them back in my top five and my top ten. But I'm not worried about them. I think that at the end of the year, they can still run the table and finish the year with a great record and be that fourth team in. Joe Burrow would never. I never compared him to Joe Burrow. Screw the people Joe who tried Burrow to. Joe Burrow would never. You know who else would never? Don't say Jane Daniels. I, I'm just asking. Do you know who else would never? I don't know who Jane Daniels is. I don't... Jane that Daniels. name means nothing to me. I, I'm just saying. You keep you keep being a Rudy Pooh. But you know, you know what, you know what does in all seriousness worry me about them? Penix got bailed out against Oregon. We talked about this last week. It, bias aside, Penix uh-huh. got bailed out against Oregon because they went for it on fourth down and didn't convert, and he got another series. Well, Joe, he had he didn't score. He didn't get a score. He comes into the game with three turnovers. Like he got bailed. That's why. Like, dude, I'm just gonna be real with you. I know Oregon won that or lost that game. I just don't know if Oregon's not the better overall football team if Dan Lanning doesn't get his head out of his ass. I I do actually kind of. I actually believed that going into the week, and I said it. I just think that what makes Washington dangerous is that when they're actually playing to their potential and in a rhythm, how quickly and effectively they can score with those receivers is what makes them dangerous. I also want to really quickly bring this up, the Miami-Clemson game. A backup freshman quarterback plays for Miami, and one of the worst decisions I've ever seen on a two-point conversion (laughs) for them to roll out Kate Klobnik. Oh my Dude, god. Dude, I'm done with Dabo. I've been done with Dabo. Some people didn't like that. I'm calling Dabo overrated. Dabo's overrated. Yes, he's won he's national not championships. Overrated. They I promise you this. You want to bet this? Clemson does not return to the national championship in the in the time that Dabo's the head coach there. I don't think that's a hot take. 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to stand by that. I don't think it's a hot take, you but can't to call a coach that's won two national titles overrated when everything in his life changed with the portal, I do think it's a little – but he's okay. going to have to hit the portal. Fair. He's going to have to hit the portal, man. He doesn't have a choice. And you know what else, Joe? He's he's micromanaging too much. That's the issue. That is a massive that's the issue. issue. He's not letting Garrett Riley cook. You know who is cooking? Don't say Jane Daniels. I'm not. Okay, who? Brady Cook, dude. I'm not doing this with Brady Cook again. Brady Cook. Brady Cook. So you'll is, do it with Michael Penix, but you won't do it with Brady Cook? Brady Cook is Joe Burrow against all the bad teams he plays. And then the minute he has to play somebody good, he doesn't play well. <laughs> I, he. He is well. Michael Penix fine. is bad. Bad against bad teams. Arizona and Arizona State. Yes, he's had a couple of bad games. I think one is far more physically impressive than the other, though. I think that Michael Penix, I'm when he's on, that, but you got to get. By the way, can I give you a sleeper team that I think can beat Oklahoma and Texas if they face them? I don't know if if Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, that kid Avery Johnson. Oh, I like him. Oh, I like him. Good athlete. Yeah. Notre Dame was on him for a little bit. Man, that kid has six rushing touchdowns the last two weeks. That kid is is a, he's he's a, a true freshman. I, he's I wrote a an article on him a while ago when Notre Dame was recruiting him when I was working for that one site. Um, no, I think he's a good football player. I think Oklahoma State, though, is the real team that could actually – Stun some people. Huh? Ollie Gordon is what a. What did I dude. tell you about Oklahoma State in October, dude? I bet on a man, and they made me some I, money. I told you, I bet, I bet Gundy every October, every week. Do you agree with this? No. What are we smoking? No, no. He's got Luther Burden. He's got <laughs> Luther Burden. No, you have absolutely no. You have the better a, offensive line. No, 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 no. Let's talk about the receivers because how much yak yardage does does Luther Burden have on this season? Luther because Burden has more yak yardage than the entire Notre Dame team combined. Conversation over. <laughs> we will see y'all again tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Peace. <laughs>Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.